Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. So fun to, to be here uh, today celebrating communion and celebrating baptism. And uh, we've got a, a potluck that we are looking forward to at the end. And it's like, what is the, what is the cherry on top of this perfect Sunday? Get it? Sunday? Uh, the cherry, the cherry on top, I thought would be let's let's do a message about speaking in tongues. So if this is your first time here, welcome. <laughs> um, so we are in a, a series. Uh, uh, called Grace Gifts, and last week, uh, Senior Pastor Cameron was here, and he began with an overview of what the, the, the spiritual gifts are, why they're important, um, and why we as a church believe that they are for today. Um, and so I'm not going to cover that ground again, but I'm going to dive into what is the spiritual gift of tongues, Right? What is it? Why is it valuable? Is it something that we should be pursuing? And I hope that there is something in this message that you find beneficial and it kind of pulls back the, the curtain a little bit on this relatively peculiar gift that we see in the New Testament. So I want to begin just giving you kind of my background. I grew up in the Reformed Church, the RCA. And I don't ever remember hearing that there was such a thing as tongues. I don't ever remember reading that passage or the, the pastor talking about that. And so when I started dating my wife, we started going to her church, which was not a Reformed church. It was an RCA church, but it stood for Redemption Christian Assembly, and they were a charismatic church. And so we turn up to, to Amber's church, a good little Reformed boy. I wasn't so good at that point, but I was, a, I was still... I was a reformed kid. I turn up at, at this church, and there's there's a there's a whole band. There's a there's drums and a guitar player and a and a guy playing the recorder and a saxophone. It was it was something, man. It was great. And and they and the the recorder guy. He's so sweet. He doesn't go to our church anymore. But as they would play, he would do this one little dance as he played the as the recorder. It was the greatest. And I was just like. I've never even seen anybody move in church, let alone dance, right? And then there's, the, there's people waving flags, and then there's a couple of people here and there that are praying in tongues. And I'm like, what is this? What is going on? I had no grid for this, right? And, and so I'm trying to, in my little brain, trying to figure out what is going on and what, I, what comes to my mind and I'm not sure this is a good illustration or not, it's probably not, but just go with me, is I remembered Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and Indiana is in these caverns searching for his girlfriend who had been captured, right? And this weird cult worshiping this false god had captured her, and they were going to sacrifice her to this false god, and they all fall down on the ground, and they talk in some weird language. And, I'm, and so I'm just like looking around at this church, listening to people pray, in tongues and I'm like are they going to sacrifice something like what is like is there is there a chicken coming out here pretty soon what is what is going on and it was a bit of a culture shock for me but as I continued to attend that church and, and get to know the people what I discovered 
was that this group of believers loved Jesus like nobody I had ever encountered before. And I'm not saying that my family and friends at the the Reformed Church didn't love Jesus. They absolutely did. But here at Redemption Christian Assembly, what is now New Day, was this new depth of experiencing the reality of God that I didn't know was possible in a passion to live for Jesus, you know, Sunday to Sunday, every single day of the week that I had never encountered before. And it drew me in. I was like, I have known Jesus a long time and was not interested, but this Jesus is interesting to me. And it's not because they prayed in tongues, it was just what happened there, right? And so as we look at the the gift of tongues today, I really want to do kind of a big overview, all right? So we're going to, it's a bit of a more of a teaching than a, a, a sermon, but we'll just go with that. And we're just going to start at the beginning where, where tongues is first introduced in, um, in Acts chapter 2. So we know that in the Gospels, Jesus lives this sinless life and he is betrayed and crucified. Uh, he's, uh, he's dead and, and buried. Three days later, he raise, rises again from the dead and appears to over 500 people right, uh, for a period of 40 days. And eventually, towards the end there, before ascending into heaven, he says to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Okay, Jesus, you know, you were just dead and you're back. We're pretty much going to do anything that you say. So we're just going to go to Jerusalem and we're going to hang out. And so they're hanging out in, um, in Jerusalem in this upper room. The first chapter of Acts says that there's about 120 of them. And it's the, 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 the celebration, the festival of Pentecost is, is coming up. And that is where we pick up our story. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, I had to practice that a couple of times, but I thought that was pretty good. Uh, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so 
this, this crazy event, right? What is going on? This 120 Galileans come running out of some room somewhere. There's the, 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 the streets of Jerusalem are filled with, with people from all over the, the world coming to celebrate the, the festival. And all of a sudden, these people are babbling or they're, they're speaking in tongues, but the, all the people around hear them in their own language. What is going on? And so what is it that we learn from, from this passage that tells us what even is tongues? Why are we speaking in tongues? Well, tongues is a sign, right? The tongues is a sign of something amazing. It is a, is a new event in biblical history. Nothing like this had ever been known before. It was a new era. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This promise that, that Jesus had told the disciples to wait for, for the empowerment of the believers in order to be witnesses to uh, the whole world of Jesus Christ. It is a sign of the new covenant. Right? Throughout the, the biblical story, throughout the Old Testament, we see Holy Spirit showing up and resting on different people and empowering for, for different abilities and different things and different seasons, but it would not reside within them. Right now, the Holy Spirit is poured out and is dwelling inside the hearts of believers. Right? This is amazing. And tongues that we see here in Acts 2 is not the event, right? Too often as charismatics or Pentecostals, we can think that tongues is the most important thing that, that happened here. We got to make sure everybody's praying in tongues, right? But tongues is not the event. Tongues is just a sign, right? It was a sign that the Holy Spirit had been poured out. And we see that tongues is a sign here in Jerusalem at Pentecost. And as we move through the story of the, the book of Acts, we see that often when people encounter the Holy Spirit, when people receive the Holy Spirit, they would often begin speaking in tongues. We just looked at it here in Jerusalem, chapter 2. Then in chapter 10, Peter uh, goes to Caesarea, and it is the first time the gospel is preached to Gentiles, and, and, he, uh, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and it says that they began speaking in tongues and praising God. And then later in chapter 19, of Eph the, they're in the city of Ephesus. Paul is there, and he encounters this group of disciples who say, he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul lays his hands on them and it says they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And while it doesn't say in the, the text of, of Acts, we can assume that Paul, then Saul, probably began speaking in tongues at some, at some point in here after his conversion on the road to Damascus as he encountered Jesus there. Because as we'll see in a little bit in the book of 1 Corinthians, this letter that he writes to the church there, uh, he, he says that he prays in tongues more than anybody else there. So years and years later, right after the, the Pentecost and after the stories of, of Acts, we see that tongues is still being practiced in the early church. All of them, it says, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. 
right? It implies that this is something that continued, not a one-and-done occurrence, not just a sign for one time that, and then we move on. We're going to see that in Corinth, the letter to the Corinthians, the letter to the Ephesians, and the ever-popular letter to Jude seems to talk about tongues continuing in the lives of the early church. So not only was tongues a sign, the reality is that it's a peculiar sign, right? And I'm not going to stand up here and try to de-weird tongues because it just is a little bit weird, right? And I'm okay with that. Right? We, we know it was a little bit weird because in Acts 2.13, some, however, made fun of, fun of them and said, they've had too much wine, right? I, uh, not me, but other people I, I've known have had too much wine. And, I, and you can see how that can affect them. They get a little bit goofy, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, Paul says, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and, inquires of unbel- and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? I can attest to that. I came into a church that had a lot of praying in tongues and I thought, are they out of their minds? What is wrong with these people? So it's a bit peculiar. But what we see is that God often does things that are a bit peculiar. I'm taking a a class right now for for seminary all about the the book of of Isaiah, and I just uh, came across this this great story uh, in Isaiah chapter 20 where God tells Isaiah, he's like, I want you to walk around naked and barefoot for three years. Right? as a declaration to, uh, to uh, the, the nation about what I'm going to do. Like, that's a little bit odd. Like, for three years, there's just a guy in our community walking around naked and barefoot. Uh, don't worry about Isaiah. Uh, he's, he's a prophet. He's just declaring God's word over there. He's fine. He's fine. You know, when people saw that, nobody was like, can I be a prophet? <laughs> so I, where do I get in line? Well, I want to sign up for prophet school, right? No, no, but uh, see, that's some odd stuff. We see the prophet Ezekiel laid on his, his right side for 390 days, one day for every year of Israel's sin. Then he laid on his left side for 40 days, one day for every year of Judah's sin. It's just this weird symbol, that, this prophetic act that God called him to do, right? It's a little bit odd. And it's just not super high on most of our list to do something that makes us stand out, makes us look odd, or makes us look weird. But it seems that God has a little bit of a, of a sense of humor, right? And he invites us to lay down our pride, to lay down our understanding, and say, okay, God, I don't get this, but if this is what you're inviting me into, if this is what you're calling me to, I say yes to you. It makes me think of, you know, when Israel is moving into Canaan to take the land and the angel of the Lord comes to Joshua and is like, i got a great battle plan for you, right? You're going to walk around this walled city for six days not making any noise. The seventh day, you'll do the same thing, but then you'll blow some trumpets and holler and the walls are going to come crumbling down. 
And I can just imagine Joshua is like, I'm not excited about taking this battle plan back to the guys. Uh, this seems odd, right? But they, they laid down their own kind of preconceived understanding, what they, how they understood battle, how to take a city, and they said, all right, God, we'll do it your way. And we see the, the results of doing it God's way was victory in Jericho. And I think that as we lay down our own pride and our own understanding, recognizing that God is above and beyond, that his word is true and that it is a, it is a, it is a guide for us today, that there's sometimes we run into something where we're like, man, I don't get that exactly, God, but I trust you and I'm going to seek this out. I'm going to search it out and I'm going to follow you in what you've called me to do. And so it is a little bit odd, but those who practice tongues find uh, it incredibly beneficial for their spiritual connection. It brings life. It brings greater depths of spiritual growth. So even though it's a little bit odd, there is a lot of blessing in the midst of that. Oh, too soon. So should everybody pray in tongues? That's the question. <laughs> well, Paul seems to answer that question pretty clearly in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31, where he says that not everybody prays in tongues, right? He says, does everybody prophesy? Does everybody pray in tongues? Does everybody, you know, do this or do that, right? And the implication is that no, not everybody gets all of the gifts. But I think that when we look at chapter 14, verse 8 in 1 Corinthians, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. It implies that many, if not most, or all of the people in the Corinthian church were praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. Paul says, follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophesy. Prophecy, I guess. And so Paul, in the, the context of 1 Corinthians, is actually addressing a, a, a misuse of, of tongues and prophecy and the spiritual gifts in the corporate gatherings of the, uh, of the Corinthian church. And so he's writing with some correction. Right? But, he's, but he's inviting them to pursue the gifts. You can pursue it. Not everybody's going to do all the gifts. Not everybody's going to speak in tongues. Not everybody's going to prophesy. But you can pursue whatever gift you want, according to 14.1. So... Mark, so far not super helpful. What is tongues? <laughs> so tongues, I uh, would define it as a Holy Spirit-enabled language of prayer and praise that is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right? Holy Spirit-enabled language of prayer and praise that is a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the opening text that we read in Acts 2, 4, it said they began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right? It wasn't something they were making up. It was the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, J. Rodman Williams is a fantastic, charismatic theologian, and he's written a really large uh, theology textbook um, that that I find really, really helpful as I'm trying to engage some of these these kind of bigger thoughts and see how, how other people, smart people, have thought through it. And he says this about tongues. He says, One speaks as the Holy Spirit gives him or her the ability to speak out. There is no sense of compulsion or coercion. 
The Holy Spirit does not assume control, thereby forcing this speech to occur. There is no divine seizure. Rather, the person freely does the speaking, and the Holy Spirit graciously provides the language. Personal integrity is fully maintained, even as individuals are able to speak forth in a way transcending anything they have ever before experienced. So it's not about us losing control, right? It's not that we go into some sort of a trance and all of a sudden we're, we're speaking in tongues, right? It's a, it's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And we also see that the, the act, the, the, the practice of praying in tongues, it bypasses the mind. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says that anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. All right, so we speak in tongues is not for this group of believers here, right? It's not for us. It is for us to, to praise, to, to worship, and to pray to God. And in 1 Corinthians 14.14, 14, it says, My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what will I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Right? And so Paul is saying that there's value in both. Right? We love praying like the, you know, with our understanding, praying the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We, that is so valuable and important. It's so beneficial to pray like that. And Paul says, yes, we should pray with our understanding. But he also says, I'm going to pray with my, with, what does he say? With my spirit, there's understanding. And so implying, right, that he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what he's saying, but he's cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I really wish, like, as I was crafting this message, I was like, I need to figure out how to say this so it's completely clear and it's easy to understand. This is the best I got, <laughs> right? It's because the things of God can be a bit murky, right? And there, it, it requires faith that we step out and go, man, God, some of these things I don't understand, but I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going to align myself with what you are doing. All right, I, I pray in tongues probably every single day. You know, when I'm driving or when I'm walking around, when I'm doing chores, whatever, I'll just begin praying in, in tongues. It's been an incredibly valuable part of my prayer life, and it's a very important part of, of my worship. But Tongues is not something that he's forced on me or that he would ever force on you, right? He doesn't do that. That's not how God works. Uh, but we need to be open and willing to put this grace gift into use if it's something that we want, right? You can't just wait for God to take over your body to begin praying in tongues. That's not how it works. Okay, so this has gone a little bit long, but we're moving. We're Trucking on. So what is, we know what tongues is. It's a sign. It's a little bit peculiar. It is a, it is a prayer and praise language empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what is the value? Why would it matter? Why would we care about this? The value of speaking tongues, as I understand it, is that it edifies us, it helps us to pray, and it helps us to worship. All right? And interestingly, this is the only thing that the Bible talks about that we can do to edify ourselves. 
Is that important? We will see. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this. He says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in, in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So here Paul is addressing the corporate gatherings, the, the Sunday morning gatherings like we're doing here, but of the church in Corinth. And apparently what we can gather from this letter is that everyone in the, in the Sunday morning service is praying in tongues and prophesying all at the same time, and it's getting a little bit out of hand. And so he brings correction to the church. But it would be incorrect that if, that if we inter, interpreted this correction as him saying that tongues is unimportant or that tongues is not right, right? That's not what he's saying at all, especially if we look at the different things he says throughout the chapter. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Great. In 18 and 19, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Then he ends this three chapters talking about spiritual gifts, uh, especially tongues and prophecy, by saying, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So he's just bringing correction. He's bringing some instruction for the use of prophecy and, and tongues in the, the corporate gatherings. And I think of, of tongues as like this personal practice that is for your own edification. Right? And I read some commentaries that, that said, oh, you can see, you don't, you're not supposed to edify yourself. Right? It's, everything should be about edifying the church. And I'm like, settle down, you guys. Right? You're, as you edify your, yourself, you are being a benefit and edifying the church, right? You are growing. You are becoming a more mature, more well-rounded, more whole follower of Christ. As we practice the spiritual disciplines, right? It doesn't earn us anything. It doesn't make us better people, but it raises this sail whereby we can catch the wind of God's Spirit to become more and more like Him. And tongues is one of those practices that we can practice to edify, to build up, and to strengthen ourselves. So it edifies us. It says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. This is this little Greek word, oikodemeo. They oikodemeo themselves, right? And this word is used all throughout the New Testament and, and other uh, first century Greek literature. It means to build a building, right? You oikodemeo a barn, or you oikodemeo a house, or a road, or whatever. But it can also mean to help improve ability to function. To improve ability to function in living responsibly and effectively. To strengthen, to build up, to make more able. Right? I want to improve in my ability to function in living 
responsibly and effectively. Right? I want my kids to function in life responsibly and effectively. I want to be strengthened. I want to be built up. I want to be made more able to be effective at what God has called me to do. We see this word all over the place, and this is just a, a sampling. Um, that In 1 Corinthians 8, we see that love oikodemeos us. Love builds us up. In Acts 20.32, it says that the word of God's grace edifies us, builds us up, strengthens us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says that we, when we encourage and when we do life with each other, we oikodemeo each other, right? We build one another up. And in 1 Peter 2.5, it says when we turn towards Jesus, we are built up, we are strengthened, we are edified through Jesus Christ. Right? There's all of these great ways for us to, uh, to be built up and edified. And there's one way that we can do it ourselves. In the oft-overlooked letter to, of Jude, it says, Dear friends, Remember that the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instructions and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. All right, so here in the, the letter from, from Jude, says, uh, in the NIV, it says, uh, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. All right? And so what we see here in the NIV translation, there's this little conjunction, and it looks like, oh, we've got two different activities here. We've got you're building yourselves up and you're praying in the Holy Spirit. But other translations, this is the Net Bible, uh, I think are a little bit more accurate. It says, but dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, by praying in the Spirit. And the, whether we use and or by as a conjunction or a preposition there, there's nothing in the, the Greek text. It just says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so they put by in here to help us understand. And the point I'm making here is that this is a means. This is how we build ourselves up. This is one way that we can edify and build ourselves up. This is not two different actions in the letter of Jude. Okay, so tongues builds us up. It edifies us. Hopefully that's helpful. The second benefit, the, the reason that tongues is valuable, is that it helps us to pray. Paul says in Corinthians 14, 15, what will I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. And to the Ephesian church, he writes, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. And so praying in the Spirit is actually comprehensive. It, it covers all the bases, right? Through uh, praying in, in the Spirit, we are actually offering up the Spirit's own prayers. As the Spirit inspires, we pray out the, the, the Holy Spirit's prayers. He's, he's actually helping us with something that is actually pretty challenging for us as believers, namely, 
what am I supposed to pray for? Or how do I pray for all the things that, that Paul and the other New Testament writers tell me that I should be praying for? I've got to be praying for my government. I've got to be praying for my family. And we should pray for the church. And we should pray for the, the missionaries. And we should pray for martyrs. And we should pray for underprivileged kids. And we should pray for uh, you know, people sold into sex trafficking. Like, there's a lot of stuff that needs our prayer. Uh, how are we ever going to accomplish it all? Paul says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, not to know, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And so as we're praying, as we're seeking God, as we're, 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 we're uh, you know, lifting up our family or our church or whatever, and there's times where you know, we'll encounter a situation that oh, this bad thing is going on, I don't really know all the details. I don't really know how to pray for this. And so one way that we can pray for that is just by praying in tongues, just trusting that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf for this situation. And we can trust that Holy Spirit's prayers are always in line with God's will. Right? So they will cover everything that we should be praying for. Okay, moving along. So... Tongues edifies us. Tongues helps us to pray. And tongues also helps us to worship. Paul hey, hey. Paul says in 1415, uh, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. We had a great time singing with our understanding today as we sang about God's deliverance, His strength, as we took time to, to, to rest and wait in His, his glory right, this, this morning, but we can also sing uh, with our spirit. In Acts 2.11, we saw that all these people from all over the world in Jerusalem heard the, the disciples declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues, right? They were worshiping God with the, with the, with the gift of tongues. Paul to the, the church in Ephesus said, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that can mean continually filled. This is not a one-time filling with the Spirit, right? It's a over and over again. Every day, we need to be pursuing God to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Right? So tongues is a completely valid way for us to lift our worship to God. You know, there's times where I am worshiping, where it's just like the, the glory of God and my thankfulness for all that he's done and just his strength and his power and his holiness that I can't even grasp. Sometimes in the place of worship, I just feel like I'm at a loss of words. What do I even say? It reminds me of Charles Wesley's great hymn, Oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing, My Great Redeemer's Praise. Right? And it kind of captures this idea. It's like this one tongue that I have isn't enough to, to capture all that I want to say to God. But it's okay, right? Because he gives us a supernatural tongue, a, a supernatural ability to exalt God as we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. 
And so there's times when I am worshiping, right, as I'm leading worship or as I'm, you know, singing in the congregation that I just feel like praying in tongues and I just, it's okay, right? It's okay just to go for it and to allow the, the Spirit to move because that is the role of tongues. That is why it is valuable. So how do you pursue it? This is the shortest bit. So how do you pursue tongues if you desire it? Right? How do you pursue it if you haven't experienced it? First of all, I think that we need to believe that it's available. Right? The, in, in Ephesus, when Paul went to these disciples, they're like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, yeah, it's, it's available. Do you want it? Yeah, we want it. And he laid his hands on them, and they began praying in tongues. They believed that it was available. They believed that it was a good gift that God gives to his people. So the second thing you can do is ask God for this gift. Right? Ask him, God, I want, if this is for me, would you give me the gift of tongues? I want to edify myself. I want this prayer language. I want this praise language because I know it's from you and it's valuable and it, is a found, it, is, it can be foundational in our, in our uh, spiritual journeys. Not mandatory, but it can be really, really helpful. And receive prayer. We see Paul and other people throughout the, the book of Acts laying their hands on people for the filling of the Holy Spirit or the refilling of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. We have a prayer team that would love to, to pray with you to be refilled with the, the Holy Spirit. And if you want to, to receive tongues, they would be happy to pray with you about that. There, but it doesn't have to be uh, that, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody laying their hands on you. We saw that's not what happened at, on Pentecost. I know a story of, of a lady who wanted tongues and got prayer and nothing ever happened. And one day she's vacuuming her, her living room and she's just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, out of her mouth erupts tongues. And it's like, oh, I got the gift, gift of tongues while I'm vacuuming. So if you want the gift of tongues, I think you should vacuum... <laughs> Your, your living room, that could be good. I mean, it wouldn't hurt, you know? Uh, and then finally, cooperate with the Holy Spirit, right? Don't shut him down. Don't, don't say, that's not real, it's not good, I'm just making this up. Just cooperate and go, Holy Spirit, I believe that this is you and I'm just going to go for it. Jack Hayford, in his great book, Grounds for Living, says this. This is the last bit, friends. The miracle of speaking in tongues is a case of cooperation between humanity and deity. We speak in spiritual languages because we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to express himself through us in that way. The Holy Spirit is the source we cooperate. This does not mean that we lose control of our abilities and the Holy Spirit takes control. God never works like that. He gives us the gift, and we have to choose to exercise it. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, right? Tongues is a peculiar sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't force it on us. But he has made it available to us for our edification, for our prayer lives, and for our worship. And I encourage you guys to search the scriptures, to pursue the gift of tongues. If you have questions, please come and talk to me, right? I couldn't cover the breadth of the conversation in one 35-plus minute sermon. Uh, but, and if you are interested in, in receiving tongues, I would love to, to pray for you, or the prayer team would love to pray for you. Amen.
All right, would you stand? I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. Lord, and we thank you that you graciously pour out gifts on your kids. Lord, and we receive those gifts. Lord, whatever you want to do, we say have your way. Lord, and I pray right now, uh, wherever people are at, whether they're like, Mark's crazy, what's he talking about? Or they're interested in, in tongues and pursuing that, or they've been praying in tongues for years. Lord, I pray that you would take them deeper, that you would speak, Lord, that you would give a, a revelation of your truth as they search out your scriptures. We don't want to be weird for weird's sake, Father God, but we love you and we want to run after you with all that we have and all that you've given us. In your name we pray, amen.